Welcome back to Unhinged Movie Misfits. I'm Sam. I'm Kayla. I'm your misfit, Muppet. <laughs> we can't say that. I mean, m- Marauder. <laughs> <laughs> misfit, Maniac, Marauder. M words. <laughs> so what do we got for him today? We are going to be talking about the movies Sanctuary and the new Spider-Verse movie. Yeah. Yeah, some good ones this week. So let's get into it. Yeah. First, we're going to talk about Sanctuary, since that one's going to be ta- oh, probably, a little, bleh, probably a little bit shorter to talk about than Spider-Verse. So Sanctuary was released initially in 2022 at some film festivals, but it was showing in theaters uh, starting in May 19th, 2023. It had it made seven hundred and two thousand dollars in the box office, and it was directed by Zachary Wiggin. It was a pretty low budget movie. It's a single location movie. They never leave single location. Two actors. Yeah, and it's kind of felt like um, we kept saying that it felt like a '90s erotic thriller. Uh, like there used to be a lot more movies like this. Yeah, remember whenever you were in the 90s, uh, well, me and Sam are millennials, so we were growing up and forming opinions in the 90s, and those we watched a lot of I, erotic thrillers. I was, I was still a child and watching those erotic thrillers. <laughs> and you're like, oh, yeah, this is what being an adult is like. I'm like, I'm like eight year old, years old, and I'm like, Fatal Attraction is a fantastic movie. <laughs> <laughs> this is real life, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so there's a lot less movies like this now. Um, I think for several reasons. Um, it seems that people are a lot more uncomfortable with sex in movies. On a lot of levels, I think that the new generation Zoomers are just completely shell-shocked by sex and they hate seeing it in movies. Uh, I think there's, you know, a level of, I don't know, it almost seems like a kind of kind of regression. It's, it doesn't feel like a step forward, the new opinions I see on sexuality in movies. Yeah, and this one not only has sex, this has BDSM and kink. But it, and like full on dynamic. Yeah, it's a kink movie. <laughs> yeah, uh, but it also has no nudity whatsoever too. No, it doesn't. But it has. Sex. It is. It is a very. Yeah, it's a sexually charged movie all the way through it. But there is no nudity in the movie. Um, it does it all through like BDSM levels. So yeah, it does it through BDSM talk and like I said, it's like an actual dynamic like sub dom dynamic through the entire movie and then there's there's like a power struggle throughout it it's very kink oriented and if you're familiar with kink you're going to understand the references and the terms that they use yeah i could see people adding this to their lists along the line of their favorite bdsm movies up with secretary yeah um so the two actors in the movie, which are the powerhouse of the movie, like well, they're the only the only actors. Yeah, in the like movie. I think barely you see somebody like pass them by in the hallway, maybe. But yeah, that's it. about it. And it's, that's pretty much just, to just prove extras. That there's, there's other yeah. extras. Um, so the only two real actors are um, Margaret Cro- uh, Qualley. I think that's her name. Yeah, I fuck this shit up every time. What? <laughs> what is it? <laughs> Margaret Qualley. 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 Know. You want to do it? Okay, you're making fun of me. <laughs> Look, I'm sure I fucked other people's names up worse on this show. 
Uh, Christopher Abbott, I know that one. Yeah. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure in this one. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I pronounced that one okay. Uh, so, I've actually always really liked uh, Margaret Qualley. Qualley? Qualley. <laughs> I've always enjoyed her. <laughs> she first really got into the public eye when she was in Once Upon a Time and... Um, in Hollywood, yeah, where she played one of the Manson people, but not one of the ones that got murdered. Though <laughs> <laughs> she was just the cute one with she was, her yeah, feet up was, in the seat. She was the cute one. <laughs> yeah, she wasn't one of the ones that got barbecued alive. <laughs> uh, so that's the first time that I noticed her, and then the next big time that I noticed her wasn't even in a movie; it was in a video game, and she played in uh, Hideo Kojima's Death Stranding game. And Death Stranding, for people that don't play video games, is kind of like he, Hideo Kojima made a video game with all of his favorite f- filmmakers, Guillermo del Toro, Nicholas Rending Rimf, like people that I really respect as filmmakers. Uh, so Margaret Qualley played in that, you know, like played in the movie, Lila Le- 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 Sadu. Yeah. Am I pronouncing that one right? And that one is right. Okay. Uh, she was in it too, and she's also great. Um, but so in Death Stranding, she played a character called Mama, who had a ghost fetus that was attached to her. Yeah, you've told me about that. I'm not a... I'm the, not. The, the game is really on the nose with, with the way it's names its characters. She's like, my name's Mama. You see, I'm a mama. And there's, a, <laughs> and there's another character that's called Fragile, and she, she has the quote, I'm fragile, but I'm not that fragile. Oh my god. <laughs> that's on the nose. Yeah, that's not... Uh, it's not the best writing in that game. <laughs> a lot of the things that I liked about Metal Gear Solid were missing from that game. It was a walking simulator in the most sense of the word. Oh, yeah. That's it's all, a, it was yeah. all vibes. All vibes the game. <laughs> it's like, you know, we say this with art. Sometimes movies are like this and video games are a little different. That, you know, not all art is meant to be, like, physically enjoyed. Sometimes it's meant to make you uncomfortable. Right. And uh, I kind of felt like they are <laughs> playing Death Stranding. I'm like, I don't know if I'm enjoying this. <laughs> but that's an aside. So, she was in that. So, I've, I've liked her for a while. And, um... Christopher Abbott's Christopher Abbott. He's he's all right. He's okay. <laughs> he's a man. He's all right. He's all right. He's okay. <laughs> he, he was, uh, you know, okay and possessor, uh... Like, I talked about this the other week because um, we were talking about Joel uh, Edgerton and he played with him in It Comes at Night, which I think is a fantastic movie. He was also in, we didn't even, we watched this recently, but we didn't really talk about it. He was in uh, Black Bear with um, Audrey Plaza that we watched recently. Oh, yeah. That's the latest thing that I saw Christopher Abbott in. Yeah, and I was like, wait, I, I recognize had, that guy. Yeah, I kind of had mixed feelings about that movie too. But but this one I enjoyed. Um he did he did pretty well. I don't know. Do you find him hot? You know, he wasn't doing anything for me. <laughs> I don't know. Was that sexy? Is it gonna be our new segment? Which which man does it for Sam? I don't know. Well it wasn't this one. I'm like, was that hot? <laughs> like, I don't know. Was he hot in this? I mean no, but I think no. <laughs> he's, a, he's that's not, a no not sexy man. He's not my type. Okay. Um he doesn't have he doesn't have a dad bod. He so. was too skinny. Too skinny. Oh, eat, someone feed this man someone please feed this man <laughs> someone please feed him you're like who's taking care of you who's feeding you Christopher <laughs> Abbott who's feeding you I don't know maybe that was the point though that you know the people in 
sometimes in kink media, whenever they're trying to portray something, make everyone super god and goddess-like, and it's just your everyday average man and woman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I kind of... I, I I like that about um, about Margaret Qualley is she has a distinct look like a lot of like Hollywood like one of my big problems with a lot of beauty culture and model culture is it ends up becoming like a homogenization yeah like uh, where's that there's that one meme on Facebook that has Margot Robbie um, Emma Mackey and two other. Uh, a Samara weaving and someone else. And they're like, if you put a gun to my head and told me to tell the difference between these four women, I couldn't do it. <laughs> yeah. Like there was that one, like really, really shitty TikToker that was like telling all these like women to get plastic surgery. And she was like knocking down on that. I don't know her name, the chick from stranger things. Oh, um, the girl that plays Natalie, I, what's her name? Um, Maybe maybe her name is Natalie. I can't remember. Yeah, I, I think that's right. But like, I could see her making the same like knocks on uh, Margaret Qualley because she's got like kind of some like buck teeth for uh, somebody in Hollywood. Like, yeah, I'm sure someone's been like, you need to lose that. Get some get some dental work done. But now, like those little imperfections can make people cute. I, I mean, I, yeah, I agree. I like people with fucked up teeth. <laughs> I like people with weird unconventional quirks to their face like that's what makes people individuals i hate this uh beauty standard where yeah. everyone has to be has to look like margot robbie to be um successful and that's what makes steve buscemi so hot yeah well <laughs> <laughs> we don't have any steve buscemi's in modern media so i think the letterbox review the score that i gave sanctuary was a four i gave it a four as well so on uh on a side note, <laughs> another uh, piece of um, criticism we've heard about the show is we don't argue enough, but that's just us. We agree on most things. Yeah. We're n you're not going to get too many Siskel and Ebert, like, duking it outs on this show. Like, we generally agree with things. Why do you want us things. to argue? <laughs> is I mean, it just because we're just such a cute and perfect couple everyone's like do they argue no we don't argue we literally don't argue <laughs> like the most we disagree on a movie is usually like by half a star point yeah so we we tend to agree um i had to sit on this one a little bit and let it sink in and be like oh what do i really think about it you know i, I usually try to think about a movie a lot before i give a first like leaving the theater review let it sink in like sometimes if uh you know a few days go by i'm like what what was that movie did i watch something and I, i'll knock it down a yeah. level but i actually really enjoyed this i thought that they handled the the back and forth dynamics really well i thought they were really good at acting it was kind of cute uh one of the biggest problems that i had with the movie was like the sound cues kind of were kind of on the nose and annoying a little they bit they didn't need the sound cues yeah the music was kind of annoying that was probably my biggest critique of the movie uh they do a really exaggerated um camera style every now and then but it's not super consistent either if they had kept that camera style the entire time i probably would have. yeah it was liked. only through a certain certain scenes uh the lighting was good and it played into it really well like other yeah. things about it i did like but those are my main critiques 
Um, so I think we're going to get into spoilers now. Uh, we're going to, that's another criticism we've heard. We're going to try to help you guys avoid spoilers so that you can get to the next segment if you are wanting to avoid those. So we're going to try to put a warning in. So, so we do recommend that you watch it, yeah, but now we, we're we, going to get in the spoilers. Yeah. Uh, so that's mostly talking about plot and picking apart. So, uh, the plot in this is it starts off and she's coming in and she, you don't know that she's in a role play yet unless you saw the trailer because trailers ruin everything. <laughs> uh, she comes in as if she's uh, a businesswoman. Type. The trailer made this seem like it was going to be some wacky 2000s comedy at first. I well, was, it kind of does have its comedic moments. It, no, yeah, it, yeah, it's funny at times, but no, what I mean, it, it like, what I know you remember the trailer. Yeah. It almost made it seem like some wacky 2000s kinky comedy, and I was like, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> I was kind of skeptical at first. <laughs> I was like, oh no. <laughs> and uh, so she comes in, and they pretty much like play out a scene. And she's basically just following a script that he's given them. And it kind of fills us in that they've had this like kink dynamic where he is inheriting a company from his deceased father and he's got a lot of money. And she's been the, uh, the dom that he's been hiring throughout the years to, to play a session with. Right. And, you know, it is a dom session. I don't know how many of our listeners, probably our listeners understand. <laughs> <laughs> so there's no like physical touching involved. It's all psychological and games. Mm -hmm. So, and then it comes to a point where they get done with their session. They say they like it. And then he's like, well, I'm inheriting my company. I should probably quit this. And she gets really hurt by that. I could even tell that at the time where she's, yeah, you can see her face change. Yeah, it, and it's kind of, you know, like I said, we're in Stamorla's territory now, but you can kind of see that she is hurt more than just losing her job. It's so when this happens, she kind of turns on it and she's really offended by being basically fired as his dom. Right. And then starts moving into wanting, it starts off kind of slow at first. She just wants you know, some, some, uh, reparations for it. Yeah. She wants uh $4 million. Yeah. $4 million in reparations, which is like, he explains it's half of his, yeah, and, his and then salary. It kind of evolves for there where she's like, I made you who you are. You wouldn't have the balls. You wouldn't have the balls and confidence to be who you are and yeah. take over this company. If it wasn't for me, I've been doing these scenes that you're writing out and they're part of your psychological needs. And she's pretty much like, I'm your dominatrix therapist and I made you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So she is like trying to leverage money and then that goes into, um, you know, basically her saying that she's going to blackmail him uh, for money or for, she says that she's filmed it. That part was funny. Yeah. When she starts going on about some of the things that he's made her do. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> proving, proving that she's like a specific type of Jewish and stuff. And he's like, when you put it that way, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is, <laughs> what did she say? Like, I had to read my 23 in me and prove that I was 1% of this specific type of Jew. And you milked yourself into your mom's loofah sponge. And he was like, well, when you say it like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think she mentioned sounding to at one oh, point. Yeah. She, yeah you, <laughs> everyone's gonna know that you like getting sounded with a q-tip and i was like whoa <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> so she said so he like tears the place apart looking for uh a camera that at the time you know i'm not even sure is even there 
And so, like, there's kind of this power dynamic game that they play back and forth through the movie, and the power dynamic kind of escalates, where she almost comes to a conclusion and then almost leaves. Yeah. And then... She does leave for a minute. Yeah, she all... Yeah. She leaves for a minute, and then she gets a call from so, someone on her phone named Alexander, and he she's like, stop crying, I'm never talking to you again. And then she comes back, and then she's like... And she goes right back into the hotel room and she starts telling, she starts telling him that, um, she's, she was so dedicated to their, their dynamic, their dom sub relationship that she quit her job. She quit having any clients at all. And she even broke up with her fiance. Yeah. Well, that, all that stuff kind of really starts coming out after he, freaks out more and ends up tying her up oh yeah well no that he ties her up after that yeah well that's when she, that's yeah. he's he he destroys the apartment or the hotel apartment whatever the up in the penthouse at first trying to look for the secret camera that she was yeah. using to video him and then she comes back and then is that after they fuck he ties her up so they actually have fuck yeah they, they have fuck they have a fuck <laughs> <laughs> they make fuck they make fuck <laughs> and like i said there's still no nudity in this like the scene earlier where she was doming him it just like ends with him you know jerking off mm. you never see any pp or nippies <laughs> pp or nippies <laughs> okay you don't see no nippies <laughs> So even when he she fucks her, she's fully clothed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that scene, she's like, "I'm not on no birth control." Oh my god, I got uncomfortable. I was like, "What?" Yeah. <laughs> she she was like, uh, "I'm gonna fuck you," and I I track my ovulation on an app, and I'm ovulating right now, and I'm not on birth control. And I was like, "Oh." <laughs> Yeah, there was a, a few other people in the theater with us. I love seeing super horny movies when it's filled with some that other... That wasn't just horny. That was psychotic. <laughs> psychotic and horny. <laughs> well, uh, and yeah, and then after they, they fuck, she, he's like, was that true? And she's like, no, I can't get pregnant. <laughs> yeah, she's like, I have endometriosis. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, I'm like, why didn't that kill I mean, your boner on the he spot? He was into it, and she knew that. That's the point. Oh that my, she, I was like, oh my God, if I ever said that to anyone that would just be like you would hear the wah, wah sound. yeah you would hear you would, my dick would go <laughs> you would hear it. the window shut down <laughs> but he was into it so yeah eventually he, uh she blackmails him harder and he ties her up like threatens her with a knife even <laughs> it gets kind of even more psychotic she threatens him with a knife too oh, like hot. yeah it gets kind of psychotic and they're just like hot <laughs> I, I was saying i was like hot <laughs> and uh then when she's tied up and he's like she ba basically says that and that she she's actually into him and that it's not a game and then she's actually connected with him and doesn't want to lose him it's not just that and you know he's like that's the name of the movie sanctuary yeah he starts it's sanctuary is what we learn is the safe word is it, yeah is a safe word and, and then he calls his safe word which is the name of the movie to like stop fucking with me and she's like no i'm serious so as an audience member you're like are they serious is she playing games i don't yeah. know uh so they come to what's the conclusion they leave? oh you find out that the uh she really was blackmailing him. yeah <laughs> she, she really was like she, she re really did have videos she really did have video but then she said that it was really for her so that she could watch it herself and get off to it yeah 
Yeah. Uh, so I forget the what they actually settle on before the final scene in the elevator. I forget what the conclusion they came to. I think he gives her the four million plus. Yeah, more. he he emails his lawyer to transfer four million dollars into her account. Uh, pretty much, it has to be over the entire span of the year, is what they came to the conclusion of. And they go into the elevator to try to, um, wait, they, they like fall asleep, they fall in, asleep. A, in a cute little cuddle yeah. in the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. Where he just is at his absolute wits end. And he, um, he pretty much finally says, I am nothing like my father and I don't have to be. Yeah. And, uh, then, you know, they wake up the next morning and like awkwardly getting themselves together to leave and they end up in the elevator. And then during the elevator ride, he's like, fuck this. I don't really want to be the owner of this. Well, you- the entire movie, she's the one that actually has a lot of knowledge of yeah running a business and what, what it entails and everything. And he's like, well, you should do it. Yeah. Like, yeah, throughout the, the yeah, throughout the movie, she kind of shows that she understands his job almost better than him and is giving him advice on what he should do. Mm-hmm. And then in the elevator, he's like, I don't want to do this. You want to do this. Like, just do this, do the Dom thing, except as a CEO. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Cause she admits that she feels herself whenever she's playing Dom and that she doesn't want to give it up because that's whenever she truly feels like she's able to be herself. Yeah. And he's like, just take the job and, then she's like, what are you going to do? And he's like, I'm just going to be your little house her- husband slave. I was like, that's so cute. <laughs> so the movie turns on like right there at the very ending scene where it's like, guess what? This was a rom-com. Yeah. <laughs> and they start playing like really like cheesy, happy music. So yeah, it turns out she really did like him and vice versa. And it's just really sweet and cute at the end. Well, no, like he's like, he, she's like, well, why would I want to do that? What would you do? And he's like, I'm going to be at home and I'm going to wait on you and i'm going to make sure that you have comfort and he's like what do you call it and she's like a slave <laughs> and then cue the rom-com music <laughs> yeah so yeah we enjoyed this movie it was cute um i enjoyed it too i thought it was great even though i mean the sound cues didn't really need to be that's what kind of gave it to like too much of a it kind of it kind of makes more sense with the rom-com stuff but i don't know it's it's like they say about music and movies that if you are paying attention to it too much you know there's a level of if you notice it too much then it's not good right like you it wants to it could have been a little more subtle yeah i agree it should have been more subtle the the loud cues when you were supposed to feel i don't like in any movie i don't like the cues that are supposed to make you feel a certain type of yeah, emotion. let me feel my own emotions like a soundtrack should be subtle and it should not make me try to feel something like i'm gonna feel an emotion yeah. regardless don't try to make me feel that yeah, with a sound I, I, cue I definitely pay attention to that in horror movies like i want to be scared and jump scared by something happening and not being startled by a sound cue if i'm tearing up in a movie i want to be tearing up because of my connection with the characters and not because of manipulative music the movies that i've cried the hardest to have been completely silent yeah, in that scene those are the, those are the best and those are when you know that you're not being manipulated and we pay attention to that so the director for this he's only done one movie before that i haven't seen it zachary wiggins so he seemed to do uh, a pr- pretty good job sophomore outing um i think he could be a really good director if he keeps improving like this i'll have yeah. to keep out for him 
So we both recommend it. Go check out Sanctuary if you're down for a cute, quirky, rom com fun movie. With that's cake. also <laughs> also a, uh, you know, uh, 90s style erotic thriller. Mm-hmm. It's a kinky rom-com. Yeah. Kinky erotic thriller rom-com. <laughs> check it out. All right, the next movie that we have to talk about that we watched, and we also took uh, my children to see this one, was the new Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Across the Spider-Verse. Across the Spider-Verse, sorry. I hate, I hate this shit with, like, movies. Uh, Into the Spider-Verse was the name of the first one. See, you were already getting confused. My bad. That's, but that's what I hate <laughs> about this, like, style of naming these fucking movies. Like, the first one is Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. This one is across the Spider-Verse. And the next one is beyond the Spider-Verse, where they just change one fucking word. And well, people they're are just all gonna, into uh, the Spider-Verse for me. I'm sorry, everyone. <laughs> they're just going to end up saying, you know, the second one. Like, <laughs> so, so this movie is currently ranked number one, the best movie ever of all time ever on Letterboxd right now. It's still up there. Uh, the first movie... Uh, the first, the actual the end of the Spider-Verse is ranked number 16, the number 16th highest rated movie on Letterboxd ever. Uh, so these movies are pretty well acclaimed. Um, I think they do deserve some of that. Maybe not that much acclaim. Like, I did really enjoy this movie. I do have some criticisms. But the reason that these movies are getting so much acclaim is because they are really pushing the boundaries of animation beyond what anyone has even tried to do in recent years. So, <clears throat> I do want to talk about the budget. The So, this had a budget of $100 million. Mm. And it's made $489 million yeah. in box office. Yeah, that's, it's a blockbuster. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I just wanted to point that out that this was not a not a cheaply made animation at all. Yeah, and uh, I was saying that uh, like this movie, it's it's produced by Sony. Um, this these this movie series puts Disney to shame. That Disney was the forefront of animation for over fifty years, yeah, from the thirties up I mean, through yeah, the nineties. Whenever they started animation, they were. They were pushing it then and just like really, and they continued to do that. And they were always the forefront of new animation styles and techniques. Yeah. And um, they've given up on that in the last couple decades. There's some really fucking, like, if you want to hate Disney, watch a lot of the promotional material that they put out with the Lion King, and you can see the kind of disdain they have for their own history. When mm -hmm. the promotional material for the Lion King remake, which is a, it's like, oh, cool, they all look like realistic animals that are not giving any emotions because they're realistic-looking animals. What a horrible fucking movie. I don't understand that, that, like, progression of what we think, what Disney thinks is great animation i don't whenever, yeah they've given up on it whenever i whenever i watch animation i don't care that i'm watching animation as long as you're making it good and interesting i think that, i think i think that the the original lion king animation is amazing the colors are amazing the 
the movement and everything in it is great. It still stands up today. So why knock yeah. on your own work? Yeah, they're they're like we have pr- progressed so beyond this type of animation. We are above that now. We make realistic things. We're Disney. We make realism. And I'm like, what? Like they've given up on animation. And then uh, I will say that Pixar is not doing any fucking better either. Yeah, and that's really sad because I loved Pixar at one point. Yeah. Yeah, like all these animation houses that were known for being great animation leaders have given up. So Guillermo del Toro recently came out and said he's only got a few more live action movies in him, but he wants to focus on animation in his later life because he feels the same thing we're talking about. And he feels like animation is dying and that he's like, he's kind of followed this, that he says that studios are doing instead of, pushing animation they do this exaggerated animation style and, and it doesn't even look that great the, well, that well, 3d people, weird animation to style. people that know what they're looking at like i know a bunch of disney bros and i fucking hate i fucking hate disney i know a lot of people that still stand new disney movies but so the the animation style that Guillermo del toro is saying is lazy and hates is like an is an, like an exclamation style and that's the style that the pixar movies are in movies other newer disney movies where they're just like oh hey i'm doing an exaggerated motion and face waka waka walk and it's like it's it's not real animation. It's just like big. And he called it. Uh, Game of the Court called it emoji animation. It is emoji and, animation. And, yeah, and that's and like, it's just really bright and colorful, and it's pretty much the same style that attracts children to Coco Melon. Yeah, it's Coco Melon animation. <laughs> so that's why I cringe when I hear any adults talk about the new Disney movies or the new Pixar movies because they look like fucking shit. So. Uh, End of the Spider-Verse looks fucking great. Oh my god, I was amazed watching Across the Spider-Verse. I felt like a kid watching it at times. Like I was amazed by the animation. It really is impressive, so if you're not familiar with the way the first movie was uh, animated, or this movie, so each Spider-Man is from a different universe, but that each Spider-Person, I wouldn't even say man, Spider-Being, is done in a different art style. So each different art style is being done by a different animator and different director. So there are multiple director uh, references in this, multiple animator references in this. It's not even just one animation team. It's the collaboration of multiple animators and multiple animating teams in the same scenes, in the same shots. And that's why this movie has such a high score it does, why it's so amazing. Uh, my major criticisms of this movie are going to be with pacing. Like we said, we took the children to see this one, and there were some points where the kids were getting kind of bored. Yeah. Where I brought it back down. Uh, I thought that the pacing could have been a little better. Um, I think I like this one better than the first one. I, yeah, I would say I it's definitely better. like this one better than I like the first one. Yeah. And I thought the first one was great, too. Yeah, this first one was great, too. I think I gave both of them the same score. I gave this a four. Um, if it's going to be pushed up, I'm going to have to see it a second time. But they pacing issues and just some of the story issues kept me from from giving it past a four i can understand why some people would give it a four because it really the animation really is some of the best Mm -hmm. um i would say that we're gonna wait until we get into spoilers but the problem with this movie is problem with marketing like any spoilers we're gonna tell you about this movie has been spoiled by the trailers. Yeah, the trailer spoiled so uh, much of this yeah. movie. So, if you've seen the trailer, you already know the what's going to happen. They like literally the turning point in the movie. 
the turning point where uh, Spider-Man 99, who is played by Oscar Isaacs, uh, is tries to stop Miles Morales. Like, mm-hmm. that point is in the fucking trailer. Yeah. So, I'm like, I wish I could give a spoiler warning, but it, it, it's in the marketing material. Oh, my gosh. You know, I saw way too many horny posts for Spider-Man 99 on well, Facebook. They, they, liked, they liked Oscar Isaacs. Yeah, I was like... <laughs> This is weird, <laughs> but <Yeah>. also <laughs> fair, I guess. Uh, sure. So, Spider-Man 99 is hot. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, okay. Spider-Man 99 is hot. Okay, Spider-Man 99 is hot. <laughs> uh, um, as a comic book fan, I enjoyed seeing... I, I'm familiar with Spider-Man 99. They had this running joke with uh, Ben Riley, the Scarlet Spider, that... He like he was like the Spider-Man spinoff from the '90s, and he was just kind of like uh, like a lot of '90s comic book characters, really really emo and trying to be super cool. And they kept making fun of him the whole movie. I appreciated stuff like that. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> uh, so um, another thing that I wanted to talk about that we kind of discussed is uh, so Gwen Stacy is one of the main characters. They probably focus on her a lot more in this movie. She's m- Towards the beginning of the movie, they focus on her even more than Miles. Yeah, you get a lot of background to yeah. her. They, she's almost a secondary character to Miles. Like they share the screen almost as much. Uh, Miles is still the same main main character. So, uh, so I've seen a lot of people online trying to equate uh, her story to being a not only a queer story but a trans story. A lot of the coloring that they use in her animation is. Um, the trans colors, which is pink, blue, and what am I missing? I mean, isn't the trans flag pink, blue, and white? Okay. Yeah. So they use a lot of her colors in that. I think she has a trans ally flag in her room. Yeah. Even. But uh, so I love that. Uh, so the the her personal story is that she. Oh well, I guess well, we're going to get into spoilers now. Okay. Yeah, we're getting in the spoilers. Spoilers warning here. <laughs> we do recommend that you see it. We do recommend it. But Four come stars. Back, but if you watch it, come back and then listen to this part. Uh, so, um, her personal story is that, you know, her dad's a cop. Mm-hmm. And she, uh, you know, doesn't want to come out of Spider-Man, which is a very common Spider-Man thing that happens. Right. So I mean, it, it's a common superhero it's thing. It's a common superhero trope. But they do kind of play it, you know, as a parallel to coming out. And, and I, I get and her it. Her dad's like, I love you, but I hate that Spider Woman. Yeah, I mean that's just a really common trope in comics to begin with. And I get it; the colors that they use seem intentional. But I don't know. I guess you could you could get it like kind of queer coded with the colors and everything. But she's a girl. Like she's a girl, <laughs> and she does. Yeah, she is a girl, and her main romance in the movie is a boy. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm not really liking this trend of queer coding. Like it's 2023. We, we don't have to queer code yeah, anymore. We are past queer coding or we should be like, tell bigots to go fuck themselves. I don't think that we should, re- if, if it really is like queer coded like that, we should be criticizing them for it and not just doing, doing that, doing that timeline, yeah. like doing that story. Like just do it. Yeah. We just don't do have it. to, we don't, I'm not going to praise coding. 
Yeah, it's not in 2023. I'm like, it feels like a step back. We were saying that uh, the Little Mermaid movie, who were, which we're not going to fucking see, removed all the queer coding out of their movie. The original Little Mermaid story itself. Yeah, the story, the the Hans Anderson Christian Anderson story itself is queer coded. It's very gay man oriented. And the original animation uh, upheld mm-hmm. that by having Ursula being queer coded and played or modeled after a um, a drag queen. Divine specifically. Yeah. So it feels like we're taking a step back that people have to latch onto an icon that actually isn't their representation. Right. Like, uh, where is actual trans Spider-Woman? Like, that's what I want to see. Right. Yeah, if, if that's what they were going for, then just do it instead it, of coding it. It just feels like it's liberalism. And another big point of liberalism that I saw in this movie was uh, Miles Morales had some um, Black Lives Matter stuff, and I'm like, your dad's a fucking cop. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, um, your dad's a cop. <laughs> yeah, I, I felt a lot of fucking liberalism in this movie, which might be another reason I the, the story's not going to take take me past a four, four stars. Is uh, So the main... Uh, the main plot of the movie is Miles needs to is trying to stop his dad being killed, and the other Spider-Man are saying that's going to cause a rift in the timeline. Yeah, well, they also admit that Miles is like an exception because yeah. he wasn't supposed to be Spider-Man. Yeah, his spider at all. came from another universe, and that fucked up another universe. And we also run into the the reason the other fuck up of miles's universe which is um peter parker in that universe becoming the spot is that his name uh was that the peter no the peter in the universe in the first movie died oh well well, the peter in one in another universe becomes the spot yeah which is but i'm what i'm saying it it was the peter in that universe that the spider that bit morales was supposed to bite that peter so so he kind of fucked things up already and he's an anomaly and he's trying to stop the new villain the spot which is another great part of the animation the spots like um abilities he causes like portals so banger lines and oh, yeah. my holes can take me anywhere my holes can take me anywhere and i was like same and he's uh, like my holes are not a curse so i was like move <laughs> <laughs> so he's got some funny lines but it, it, his power really works with the animation because he's just creating these portals everywhere they're going in these different places there's a lot of really cool phonetic things when the action this movie is at its fucking peak when action is happening oh yeah and that's whenever the animation that's whenever i was wowed like truly wowed by the animation whenever the action scenes were happening because every like we said earlier every spider person has its own director and own an animation style because they're all from different universes and they're all moving towards and against and past each other in that animation style it is crazy yeah. so you know like i said this was at the end of the movie when this happens and they all turn on miles all of the spider people and it's kind of they kind of they took don't it from all Rick and turn Morty. against them there's the spider punk oh, yeah, i'll get to spider punk <laughs> <laughs> don't worry i did not forget spider punk i'm saving him uh so they kind of stole this idea 
idea from Rick and Morty. They basically have the Citadel of Ricks. Oh, yeah. The, yeah, it's they, the yeah. Citadel of the Spider Citadel. People. <laughs> I'm like, did you just rip off Rick and Morty? Jesus, Whatever. fuck. That's fine. <laughs> the Citadel of Spider People is here. Uh, but that is the climax of the movie. Like I said, it's already been spoiled. Like, maybe spoilers are over because this was spoiled in the... I mean, yeah, the trailer spoiled In the fucking trailer. So, all the Spider People turn on Miles. And that's where it really... That's kind of the climax of the movie. Which also, another spoiler, is... I didn't know it was the climax of the movie. It felt like the climax, but guess what? This movie has a fucking cliffhanger. Yeah, it ends on a cliffhanger. Like, if the movie's going and I'm just like, uh, this is gonna either wrap up really quick or what? <laughs> yeah, I thought, I was, yeah, it's a two and a half hour long movie. Yeah. And I got to, like, I looked at my clock, or, or my clock, my clock, that my analog clock that I carry in the theater, <laughs> looked at my phone for a second, and it because my kids were getting kind of antsy. And yeah, you can tell when a movie is getting long. <laughs> and uh, I was like, wow, we only got 10 minutes left here. <laughs> yeah. So I was not expecting a cliffhanger, but that's fine. Another movie. Like, I'm, if they even top themselves on this one, but I'm going to be judging the overall story progression through these movies based on how it finishes up in the climax. That's the thing about, that's the problem with uh, trilogies is if you fuck up the story in the third one, you collectively fuck up the story of the other movies right so my my opinion might change because like something like the new star wars sequel like the last movie was so bad it made me hate the other ones more like so we'll see if they wrap this up good so um so yeah that last fight scene where there's like hundreds of spider people right like that's where it really gets impressive it's a great final scene i, I do not know how they're going to top that but congratulations on them if they try and they actually achieve it uh so caleb mentioned spider punk best character in the movie i love spider punk best character in the movie is spider punk i i'm i i really liked spider-man when i was little like when i was in sixth grade i read all of the spider-man comics from the 60s up to the 70s so i i was pretty big and i think spider-man is really good character for kids he has some of the best villains in comic books mm -hmm. uh you know i've kind of outgrown him because i do think he's works best for kids there are some good spider-man movie or comics for adults they're hardly touched on in uh tv though right they, they keep or not tv but movies they kind of keep it aimed at children but uh that's why we took the kids to see that the, uh the well, kids love the kids Spider -Man. love spider-man it's one of their favorite too i think spider-man really uh, speaks to, to young people and yeah i mean spider-man is usually a high schooler starting out and i think it's just more relatable for kids and he's usually quirky and funny and goofy and acts like a kid a lot yeah um so spider punk uh i will say that like i said it's the liberalism in the movie <laughs> i don't know maybe the third one will change but uh you know um all all Spider-Men are bastards, except for Spider-Punk. <laughs> All Spider-Men are bastards. Except for Spider-Punk. So, the Spider-Punk's whole thing, and he, his animation's great, is, he, is he's a punk. Mm -hmm. He has no, like, uh, no, <laughs> no, no, you know, he goes by his own moral code. He's an anarchist. Like, he wants to help people. He They say that he fights the cops, like. I love whenever the one the peter parker's in there with his little spider baby and the spider baby's just walking across the walls and he's like that baby's an anarchist <laughs> <laughs> so his animation style is constantly changing too so when this big thing happens in the movie and you know it's a lawful thing like we have to stop him he's gonna fuck things up you know 
know, Spider-Punk's like, I'm not doing that. And he leaves. He <laughs> yeah, just he straight leaves. up leaves. He's like, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to stop him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he can do what he wants. He's like, I respect that guy <laughs> he, for doing what he wants. Yeah. So, all Spider-Men are bastards. Like, it's one of the things with superheroes. They were made during the comics books code where they all had to help the police. And they go out and fight crime by punching people that are starving and trying to rob things for money in the face. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's what Spider-Man does. He, by the most of what Spider-Man does is he stops people from stealing things by punching them really hard. Mm. Like, Spider-Man's a bastard. Like, he is a cop. There's plenty of Spider-Man stories where he fights cops, but overall, Spider-Man tries to stop petty theft. Yeah, because, you know, obviously petty theft is the the huge problem. Yeah. And, and If you play any of the Spider-Man <laughs> video games, half of what you're going to do is work with the cops to stop petty theft. Yeah. Like... Uh, I have a lot of problems with... That's why I'm not really a big Spider-Man fan anymore, because a lot of the Spider-Man games, movies, whatever, like, even the last Spider-Man game that I played, the um, villain basically was a leftist, and it was one of those really liberal stories of the leftist takes it too far. They They just take it too far. The leftist wants to stop the evil corporation by blowing up an empty building. Oh, no! Spider-Man, stop them from destroying property! Like, that's why (laughs) Spider-Man's bastard, and I can't get behind him all the time now, but... But Spider-Punk is not. He will not put up with that shit. Yeah, Spider-Punk gave his uh, little interdimensional um, universe traveler to Gwen was like, go help him. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, you know, that's that's just a, that's more of a criticism of the character in general. But at least we have a counter to that with Spider-Punk. But like I said, like, Spider-Man's like, Black Lives Matter anyways, my dad's a cop. (laughs) (laughs) My dad's a cop. My dad's a cop. Anyways, hey, my New York dad, (laughs) the the infamously racist New York PD. (laughs) But it's fine because dad's black. Yeah. It's like I said, the liberalism of these movies, of Spider-Man in general, of comic book characters in general a lot of the time so still some of that made me cringe that's why we don't really get down behind a lot of the marvel movies because of their like takes of oh this character is an environmentalist but they take it too far they just go too far by wanting to destroy an empty building and not actually hurt anyone yeah so this movie is this plot is more he wants to stop the inevitable future from ruining his life despite the chaos in the universe it might cause so who knows where this is gonna go there's another movie it ends on a cliffhanger of him still still in spoilers of him being sent to um the universe that his spider actually came from and uh it um it being a wreck and the miles morales from his universe is a villain and that's mm-hmm. how the movie ends which yeah. was a good twist i like i enjoyed uh, no, that yeah i really like that twist i was like oh my god that was that was like a cliffhanger because yeah. i was getting really into it at that point yeah and then the movie just kind of ends so like i said maybe that's great it'll all depend on how this next movie goes so hopefully they top themselves but uh so far four stars I'll four stars definitely see this one kids enjoyed it take your kids to see it mm-hmm yeah, my kids were my kids get pretty antsy after about the two hour mark. Yeah, they were really itching when we took them to see Avatar. <laughs> oh <laughs> they my god, they enjoyed Avatar, the but last, damn, the last thirty minutes they were like, "Is this over yet? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is gonna be over." I will say that uh, <laughs> we'll have a section of what the kids thought. I still think the movie that the kids enjoyed most out of the year is Guardians Three. They were like hee hawing and hollering through that yeah. movie. Well, other than Piper who fell asleep, Piper yeah, stayed Piper, awake during this Piper, one. Piper, Piper, Piper. 
did like this one a lot and she stayed awake through it yeah so definitely check it out and that's where we're gonna wrap it up for the day if you like this episode please give us a follow on here or wherever you're listening to this from review our podcast so that it boosts us up in the algorithm everywhere so that more people can listen to us and follow us on social media if you follow us on instagram or either of our facebook pages you'll see first when we post new episodes but they usually come out every thursday at 6 p.m and follow our patreon if it's up by then <laughs> i'm <laughs> i'm a little behind on that i'm yeah, sorry we've had a busy month. <laughs> i'm sure that everyone's just really itching for that you know <laughs> <laughs> everyone's really just wanting to give us money it's hard uh thanks for everyone that's continued to listen well we'll catch you next week bye